Morning, Crossroads. Hey, thank you for being here. We're happy you're here. For those of you watching, thank you for joining us. Uh, would you please stand and worship with us this morning?
was his waiting. God so loved the world. Can we give a shout of praise this morning? Amen. God searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures of faith are never enough. You came along, put me back together. Now satisfied here in your love. Yes, I know it's true. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness. My failures and flaws, Lord, you see them all, and you still call me friend. I'm the God of the mountain. Is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Oh, there's Thank you. 
change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me
You can have a seat. It's good to be with you. Good to be with you online as well. I want to share with you uh, that we have a lot of really great things happening here. So can we uh, just be thankful and celebrate the fact that there's a lot of great things happening here. People are coming to Christ. They're growing in their walk. Isn't that awesome? I just want to let you know that if you're visiting us or checking things out, um, we're glad you're here. Please stop by the Welcome Center. If you're online, let us know. We'd love to connect with you online as well. Uh, but we have our Wednesday nights have been uh, been running for three weeks now, and we have uh, we have a lot of things happening. I want to let you know about a few. One is that we have our men's study led by Pastor Ken. They're doing a Tony Evans study, uh, Kingdom Man, and I know that that group has has been really just vibrant. Uh, as well as with the uh, ladies, they're studying a Louis Giglio book. I don't let don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Nancy Baker's leading that. These are both uh, on Wednesday nights at 6.30, so please, men and women, check those out on Wednesday nights, and I know that those groups have been growing, and just a lot of really good, exciting stuff is coming out of those groups. With C groups, so here's the thing with C groups, there's a couple things I'll let you know about C groups. One is that this is a great way to start getting connected with other people, and after being connected with other people, to grow as well in, the, in your relationship with God. So two things, growing with others, growing with God. So C groups, if you text that number, we will call you back and let you know uh, more information about C groups. You can also go on the front page of our website and see more information about how to join a C group, how to lead a C group, what all that means, what is a C group. Uh, C group is a very fancy way of calling them crossroads groups, just in case you haven't connected the dots. So we're, we're creative here, people. Um, but uh, anyway, so we really want our church to be connected with each other. You know, as we grow, we, we, we need other people in our lives to help us grow, to be accountable to, be accountable to, to have, to, to have uh, these people in our lives to encourage us, to, to challenge us. And so Growing with others, growing with God. These are C groups. I encourage everybody to get connected. Check out our website. Text that number. Uh, text that C group to 94000, and we will reach out to you within 24 hours and let you know more about C groups and how to get you plugged in. And then I'll let you know Trunk and Treat is happening on 27th, and we're asking our church to bring your, your trunks up on the 27th and decorate them and hand out candy to the kids of our church and our community. And we look forward to a great night. We had a great night last year. In the, you know, in the midst of, uh, you know, of a pandemic, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but you get what I'm saying. And this year, like, we're just excited to see further growth and just see more people come. But the goal is that we can have this big, fun party and then we can invite people to it. That's what I love about Trunk and Treat. You know, it's under the lights. All these kids come up and families from all over. I mean, Ken ran into somebody this week and said, I literally can't wait to get that email letting me know about Trunk and Treat because I register it for immediately because my kids love it. We love being a part of your church. And so 
you've probably heard this before, but some people, before they even come and are a part of a church, they'll go to something like Trunk and Treat for five years. And then they start getting an idea of what it's like to be a part of a church. And so that's how people have, maybe, maybe that was how you came to be here, as you found out through Crossroads, through Trunk and Treat. So please serve. You can, do, you can sign up to serve two ways. You can go on our website, or you, in your bulletin, there's a little piece of paper. You can sign it out and drop it in the box when you're leaving. And uh, if you have any other questions, you can stop by the Welcome Center. But please, we're encouraging our church. We want to start gathering that team together to serve and to be a part of Trunk and Treat. So please sign up to serve, and you can do that online or in your bulletin. And then lastly, we have a great opportunity today to celebrate uh, with Josh, uh, Josh and Shannon Watts over at City Church. This is their second year. This is their second birthday. So can we celebrate with City Church? We love you guys. It's a great, a great opportunity. I mean, they've been up in Newcastle for two years and we're celebrating all that God is doing. So Josh said we want you to celebrate with us. So we're sending 30 dozen donuts. So please grab a donut or two or three or five, um, and make your way out. So as you leave today, please grab a donut and just we can celebrate with them uh, and all that God is doing for two years. I mean, uh, we've, uh, you know, we, we, talked to, we talked to churches and talked to a couple pastors this week that they have to shut down. And we know, we know churches in our local communities that they, uh, just are, they weren't able to kind of come out of lockdown. And, and so we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, God is using our church, and we're just going to continue, just like that song, to trust in the faithfulness of God. That's what we're going to keep doing. So we're celebrating with you guys up at City Church. Hope you guys are having a fun party and celebrating two years. And so we're, we're glad to celebrate here at Crossroads. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? Lord, thank you for the ability that we have to be here. Lord, whether we're watching online or we're here in the building, Lord, I pray that as we just continue in song, Lord, that we would just give back, God, and, and, and just through song, God, whether we're singing in the quietness of our heart or we're belting it out, we're raising our hands, we're clapping, we're just thinking about what the words mean, God, we know that worship isn't just music. Worship is so much more than that. But God, this is one way that we can give back. And we know that, God, another way that um, your church gives back, Lord, to you and what all that you give us is through giving online, through giving through the mail, Lord, giving um, and, and here in the building. And so, Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of your people in giving, Lord, especially giving when it hurts. Lord, I know you're growing us. You're calling us to be a cheerful giver. And Lord, we, um, we, just, we need you to grow us, uh, help us to just continue to trust you with all that's been given to us, including our finances, Lord. We, we just trust you with everything we've got. Thank you so much, and we love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
Crossroads, you can have a seat. Uh, so yesterday we celebrated with Kara and Zach uh, their wedding. So Kara uh, uh, Barner is now Kara Spangler. So can we celebrate with them? Yeah. I told my wife last night I have never seen Ken dance. I've seen him. I, I mean, I've seen him dance. He's a happy, joyful man. And I've, I saw him dance, and I sent John the, the text last night. I'm like, you got to see this. Like, Ken was, like, whipping his jacket around, and it was a, it was a joy. But listen, when you, listen, this is a great, great side note. When you got Christ in your life, you have something to celebrate. And so we, we saw Zach and Kara get married and honor God with their, with their vows and, and, and glorifying him through their wedding here. And so uh, Ken is not here. And so Ken, uh, Pastor Ken, uh, has asked uh, Pastor John Lilly from Harmony Church in Avon, Indiana, uh, close to Indianapolis. And uh, John and his team have been in such an encouragement to us. I know John has been a tremendous encouragement to Pastor Ken, and, and they've just grown. And I, I think every time I, I can know when he's talked to John on the phone because he comes out and he's, like, crying. I'm like, man, you got to have one of your emotional moments. He's like, no, I was talking to John. Like, we just, you know, he's just, he's just, like, crying. I'm like, man, you're getting emotional on me. He's like, no, I just can't. We just can't stop laughing. And I think what a, what a joy to have a friend that you can laugh and challenge and, and be accountable to. So John is one of those people. So can't ask John to speak. So guys, would you welcome Pastor John Lilly from Harmony? Uh, it is uh, an honor to uh, be here. Uh, Pastor Ken is an incredible man. I love him. Uh, I love this church. I love Luke. Uh, all the people that I've got to meet this weekend. Uh, incredible people. Uh, incredible place. And we hear uh, a lot of good things about you uh, on a regular basis through the Liberty Church Network and uh, different conversations. In fact, uh, a couple of, it's been several months back now, uh, early in the year, we were all together. Uh, Pastor Ken said, what, what are you going to be preaching on next? And uh, I had been uh, searching for some different things. And the Lord just kept leading me. You need to just go through the book of Mark. Uh, that's that's what you need to do. And uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to be going through the, the gospel of, of Mark. And he said, no way. We're, we're going through the gospel of Mark. He said, well, what's the title of your series? I said, well, well, we haven't released it yet. Still working on a couple of things. He said, I've got this really awesome graphic. We're talking. We're calling ours remarkable. I'm going to send the team. A, I'll, I'll send the team an email. Have them send you the graphic package, the sermon bumper and all those things. And you can just have it and you can use it in your church. Well, our team was like, is that what we're going to do? I told him when we got back to our room, I said, no matter what, he's really proud of that graphic. All right. So we're going to like it. We're going to love it. And we're going to use it. Well, when we got it, we, we did like it. We, we love it and we use it. So each week as you are gathering here and you're journeying through Mark back in Avon, we're, we're a few weeks behind you and we're journeying through Mark and, and don't tell Pastor Ken. I'm not sure that he's figured it out, but I don't even have to study these days, right? I just watch him. And he's a couple of weeks ahead and then I, I go ahead and, and, and follow up. I'm, I'm kidding. All right. I, I, I don't let him do all the studying uh, for, for that. Uh, but it's been great. And our relationship has uh, been absolutely incredible. And I love him. I love his heart for people. And uh, I love the, the heart that this church has uh, for people, not only locally, uh, but globally. You know, sometimes we, we feel like we're just one person. We're just one church. What, what can we really do that makes a difference? I mean, I don't really have a lot of influence. I really don't have a lot of intellect. I don't have a lot of people that would say, man, you're an influencer. So I look at my life and I say, you know, what could I really do? Can one person really make a difference? Centuries ago, a student was in the classroom 
And he asked the teacher that was lecturing that day, how many is one? And that teacher said, that's a great question. Trying to, to put it off and, and think about it. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the answer to that question tomorrow. Well, if you know anything about children, when they ask you a question, they want to know the answer, right? I mean, they just want that answer. So he shows up the next day and he's looking for the answer and and the class lectures go by and the teacher is done teaching and he's trying to wrap things up for the day. And and little guy says, look, hey, yesterday I asked you a question. How many is one? And you said you would answer that question today. So what is the answer? The teacher stepped back for just a moment and and he he thought and he phrased it this way. He said, in the course of human events and relationships, one can be a very great many. The teacher was Aristotle. The young student was Alexander the Great, who would go on to conquer the known world in his day. You see, Aristotle was one, but he definitely left an influence. Alexander the Great, well, he really wasn't that great, but he left an influence. When we look at my life, when we look at your life, when we look at the life of a church, we often think, I'm just one. Well, I want you to understand in the grand scheme of things, in the kingdom of God, in the life that we live, one can be and is a very great many. And today we're talking from Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to take a look at the life of Paul. We're going to take a look at, at, at the life of, of a man who probably did more than anything for, for Christianity outside of Jesus Christ. And when we take a look at Philippians chapter 3, we're going to learn some things, and we're going to learn about the power of, of one, the power that that one person can have, the power of of one focus. So we're going to learn why your life matters and why my life matters and and why coming to Christ really matters. Now, let's talk about Paul for just a, a moment and kind of set things up as Paul is writing Philippians. He's writing Philippians, a letter that's a thank you letter to a church that he has planted. Now, I think it's incredibly cool to stop and think that this weekend there's a wedding celebration that's taken place and Pastor Ken had the the, the freedom to to take care of that and be with his family and celebrate that and you celebrated that as a church. But but how amazing there's the, the birthday of a church plant that came out of this church that's being celebrated as well. Two years surviving the, the difficult times of the pandemic and all the other things. Absolutely amazing to see what God can do and, and what what God is up to when we let him work. Yet we, we look at the, the life of Paul and right now he's writing a thank you letter from jail to people that he cares about and that he loves. And he says, thank you for your support. Thank you for your faithfulness. Remember when we planted not so long ago? I told you that life was going to be tough and it wouldn't always be easy. But, but here we are and God's doing incredible things. And Paul begins to give some truth early on in Philippians that he sets up as to how we live out as we get into chapter 3. He begins to tell us some great things about Jesus and our relationship with him and how we can live that relationship out and how one person's life can really matter. So let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 12, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Get that. This is the, the Apostle Paul, the guy that, that we think is magnificent, that wrote the, the majority of the New Testament. Here's what he says about himself. I'm not perfect. I don't understand everything, but here's what I do. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also 
laid hold of me. It's kind of amazing to stop and think today that a lot of us are, are reaching for something. Or maybe, maybe you don't know Christ yet and, and you're searching for hope. You don't know Christ yet and, and you're searching for the, the answer, the peace, the joy, the happiness. You, you're searching for that. Maybe you do know Christ and, and, and you've walked with Him for a while, but, but that joy has faded. That peace has, has kind of taken a backseat and, and maybe it's because you, you, you really aren't holding on to Him like you need to be. Not that He's going to let you go, but just that He wants to be the center of your life. And Paul writes and he says, look, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm holding on to that one thing that I've been taking hold of for. And he says, here's what I want to do. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says this in verse number 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I don't know everything. In, in fact, I'm, I'm really not that much when you, you think about it. He says, I've got a long way to go. I've, I've not really perfected this thing like I, I need to, but, but I want to know Jesus more, and I want to take hold of the life that Jesus has for me. So he says, I'm pressing to become a little bit more like Christ. You know, we might kind of miss the mark in how important one is. We look at the, the life of Paul, and here's one person saying, I want to do one thing to become more like Christ. One person can, can make a difference. One person in the form of Alexander the Great conquered the world. One person, according to Aristotle, was a very great many. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers, just like you and me, with faults and failures and ups and downs, highs and lows, steps forward and steps back. And he says, there, there's something we need to do. We're in this together. And one person matters because each one can press forward to become more like Jesus Christ. And as we begin to learn a little bit more about what Paul has, Paul shares the importance of one. Now, if you're here today, you're watching online, you're listening, you would say, I'm, I'm just one person. One person can't do very much. I want you to know something. With Jesus and one person, one is a very great many. Yesterday, as I was preparing to drive over here, I saw a little commercial and that commercial just said, I'm proud of Pittsburgh. And it took the story of a little girl in this promotion who's gathering up little pieces of worn out old shirts. And worn out old shirts and one little girl are being pieced together to form a quilt-like blanket to give to someone that needs hope. I want to tell you something. If one girl can take a piece of worn-out old cloth and give somebody hope, how much can one believer do with Jesus to bring hope to the world and to the community? Think about that truth for just a moment. You see, a lot of people are, are proud to be from Pittsburgh because it's the city of champions, right? I mean, when, when I was coming over this weekend, Pastor Ken said, you're going to know what it feels like to be a, a champion. You're, you're going to come to the city of, of champions. And I said, why do they call it the city of champions? He said, because we have a lot of champions here. You know, I thought as I was listening to those commercials of a little girl, she's someone's hero 
she's someone's champion because there's one life that's willing to take something that somebody else is going to discard and throw away and use it for a greater cause. What did Paul say about one life and the power of one person? He tells us the first thing is, is this. What we need is one person with the right attitude. One person with the right attitude. What, what did Paul say in verse number 12? He says, I want you to understand that, that I've not already attained. He said, I've not already perfected. Here's what he says. I press on that I may lay hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Paul shows up on, on the scene in his letter to the, to the church at Philippi, and he says, here's what one person can do. One person can make an incredible difference when that one person has the right attitude. Why is attitude so important? One of the things that Paul is saying is he's saying, look, I don't know everything, and I haven't figured everything out. I still need more of Jesus in my life, and I'm striving to become more like Jesus. And do you know what our churches and our families and our communities need today? They need Christians who are still striving to become more like Jesus. They need Christians that are still striving to become more like Jesus so that they can reach the people around them that don't know Jesus yet. You see, sometimes as a church, we forget that that the church also exists for those who aren't here yet. And one of the reasons we need to become more like Christ is so that we can reach those that aren't here yet. And the Apostle Paul says, look, If there was ever somebody who who had a reason to be proud of who they are, had a a reason to have an attitude of arrogance, he says, it's me. Let's let's read this for just a a moment. Just just listen to these words. Verse number four, Philippians chapter three. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I mean, Paul is that person that you have a conversation with, and we all have somebody in our life that's like this. We tell a story and they always got one better. Anybody know somebody like that? You got a gift and they got one better. You, something happened in your life and it happened to them twice. You know, I, I mean, it, it, it just takes away. Here's the thing. Paul could be that guy. But, but here's, here's, here's what Paul says. He says, I more so. He says, if you want to brag on yourself, I could go ahead and brag on myself even more. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law a Pharisee, he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Do you know what Paul has the attitude of? He has the attitude of a humble servant that's willing to sacrifice. And what we're willing to sacrifice often reveals what we're willing to live for. Paul said, I'll I'll go ahead and sacrifice all the temporary things that I can go ahead and gain the eternal. Sometimes we don't want to sacrifice the temporary for the eternal. We, we don't want to give up a, a moment here or influence here so we can have a, a greater relationship with, with Christ. But Paul says, look, I'll, I'll lay it all down that I may gain Christ. 
one person with, with that attitude. Do you, know, do you know where Paul picked up that attitude? Picked up that habit? Picked up that outlook? He, he picked it up from a guy named Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, here's what Paul says about Jesus. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Paul said that there was a, a right attitude in, in Jesus. It, it was the, the attitude of, of being a humble servant. And, and I wonder... When we stop and, and look at what Jesus was willing to, to sacrifice, Jesus left heaven. He left it all behind to come to this sin-scarred earth so that he might become the sacrifice for you and for me that we might know him and live forever with him. And Paul said, look, I don't want anything to get in the way of me living for what Jesus sacrificed for. I don't want anything to get in the way of me living for the eternal hope that Jesus has taken hold of me for. He said, I want more of that in my life. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying, I want more of Jesus and less of me. The other day I was reading an article, and, and here's what it said. It was an article about Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington was speaking at a, a men's conference at First Baptist Church in, in Orlando. And at that conference, so, someone asked him what one of the greatest struggles that we're facing right now is. And he said, I, I can tell you, one of the greatest struggles that, that we're seeing uh, predominant uh, take, take place right now. It's always been a struggle, but right now it's, it's taking on a, a different form and we see it plainly. He said, do you know what the number one photograph is that's taken right now in America? It's the selfie. Just, just a selfie. He said, we're enthralled with ourself. Think about that. You're driving down the road. People are taking selfies so they can upload it and let people know where they're at and what's going on with their life. You're, you're at a, an amusement park. I, I was there with my, my family not, not long ago. We were on vacation. And, and, and you know what I'm doing? I, I'm wishing I was Luke. Like, I'm wishing I was a little taller and my arms were a little longer, right? When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Lord, why was I vertically challenged and horizontally successful, right? That, that's one of the things I, 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 I want to know. But, but, but I'm standing there and I'm trying to get me and my, my wife and, and my girls in, in that picture why so we could capture the moment you see there's there's nothing wrong with capturing a moment but there's a lot of us even in the kingdom of god who are captured by the moment of self and that's what we live for and jesus laid all of self aside and he became a servant and he made himself of no reputation meaning he wasn't too good to get his hands dirty in our life and our mess and he was the one that could, and he was the one that did. What would happen today if, if just one person, one person would come to that Savior that gave his life and say, I want to have that attitude. I want to help somebody else. What would happen if one person that already knows Christ would just take on that attitude and, and say, look, I want to have that attitude of a servant knowing that without Jesus, I'm nothing. And because I have Jesus, there's, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to, to help somebody else get to know Jesus. You see, Paul writes and he says we need one person with the right attitude. But he says we need one person who's living on purpose. Paul writes and says that I may lay hold 
of that for which I, which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. You see, I believe that Paul was telling us that Christ had laid hold of him for a purpose and he lays hold of all of us for a purpose. And that purpose isn't just to get to heaven. You see, sometimes we turn to Christ and, and we think it's going to be great when we all get to heaven. But, but here's a, a reality. What, what do we do till we get there? What are we doing with the the life that that we have right now? Paul said, Jesus has taken hold of me for a reason. And it's not to live for myself. It's not to look back at all of the things that I had done and how great I was growing up and, and all that I knew as a Pharisee and I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, no, I want to let all of that go and I want to live on purpose for Jesus Christ. He said, I'm pressing on to do that. What was the, the purpose of, of Paul? What, what, was Paul's purpose just to, to go ahead and, 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 and write some letters that would be included in a book that's bound that we can look in and find the answers for life? What, was that his purpose? Was, was that the beginning and end of it? Did, did Paul say, wow, I want to be known as the guy that, that has, has done more for the cause of Christ than, than anybody else so that people can look at me and say, wow, I wish I could, I wish I could be more like Jesus? No. No, Paul writes a few verses down and he says, you know what? I want to follow Jesus harder and faster and better so that I can invite other people to follow me. You know what Paul was laid hold of? Do you know why Jesus laid hold of Paul's life? It's the same reason he lays hold of all of our lives. It was to help those that don't know Christ come to Christ and help them bring other people to Christ. Let me ask you something. Are you pressing to let that take place in your life? Because Paul said, I don't, I don't understand everything and I haven't figured it out, but I'm pressing that my life would be taken hold of by Christ for the things that he wants. And what he wants me to do is to be a maker of disciples. If you're a believer in Jesus today, then guess what? You're a disciple maker. Somebody would say, oh no, I can't do anything like that. I couldn't give a, a message. I didn't say that you're a pastor. I said, you're a disciple maker. I didn't say you have to have all the answers and be able to give a talk in front of people. I just said, if you're a believer today, you know, the intention that God has for us is to be a disciple maker. It's to make ourselves available. One person making themselves available to Jesus and say, I'll serve you and I'll live on your purpose. There was a 15-year-old boy who wanted to know more about Jesus. He's on his search for, for God. He's having some questions and he's thinking, there has to be more to life than, than what this is, than, than what I see, than where I go. He got up early one morning to, to head to church on a Sunday morning. A snowstorm had, had crept in overnight. And it was in a bygone era when the news wasn't on and you weren't going to know that a snowstorm was coming ahead of time and, and, and get to get ready for it. He realized quickly he wasn't going to be able to get to the church that he had went to previously. Didn't really disappoint him that much because he didn't find much there. Instead, he found a small out-of-the-way place. And in that small out-of-the-way place, he, he walked in and, and, and got some of the snow cleaned off. And there was a, a very small group of people gathered there on that day, about a, a dozen people. 
And as the people came in and made their way, they, they sat down and one wiry, gray-haired, older man stood up and, and he, he stood up and said, the pastor couldn't be here today, so, so it falls to me to read a, a passage of Scripture. And he stood up and, and he read Isaiah 45, 22, Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. And for ten minutes... He shared some very broken thoughts about that passage of Scripture. And he said, if you're looking for the answers to life, here's what it is. Jesus said, look unto me, not to yourself, not to your neighbor, not to the person around you. The answer to life and overcoming sin and the struggles of this life and having a meaningful relationship with God is found in the answer of looking unto Jesus. That day, an unnamed, gray-haired man stood and gave a message that was less than 10 minutes. But that 15-year-old boy that gave his life to Christ on that day, his name is Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he would go on and turn the world upside down for Christ. Why? Because one One man that probably never anticipated preaching a sermon that probably would have said, I'm really not all that qualified to fill in place of my pastor was willing to stand. And he had the attitude of a servant. And he said, "Okay, this is your purpose for me right now, Jesus. This is what I'll do. And he pointed people to Jesus. I want to tell you something. You don't have to go off someplace and and get a, a seminary education to be able to point people to Jesus that are hurting. You're more than capable of praying for them. You're more than capable of letting them know that God loves them. You're more than capable of saying, you know what? There's this great place called Crossroads. I want you to come with me. I want you to see what God is is doing in the lives of people and how they're able to find hope and help in their time of need. I love the fact that when we hear stories of life change with our LCN group, you, you see situations and, and things like a gentleman singing on this stage today that, that was looking for God not all that long ago, and he came and he found Jesus. Why? Because somebody was available. Somebody said, look, we'll go ahead and, and share that truth. It's absolutely incredible to stop and think what can happen when one person will say, I want to live on your purpose, Jesus, more of you and less of me. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. He was saying, look, I haven't figured everything out, but I figured this one thing out. I need more of Jesus in my life and less of me. And I don't know about you today, but I need more of Jesus in my life and less of me. Because do you know what I do? I I get in Jesus' way. I tell him all the things that I can't do. I tell him all the things that I'm not qualified for tell him all the ways that somebody else could help him and all the things that could be done by another. But Paul said, look, I'm pressing and I'm making an effort to become more of what Jesus wants me to be. And today, I wonder what you're pressing, what you're going after. Because Paul said, I want to lay hold of that which I've been laid hold of for. You see, Jesus has saved you for a reason. And Jesus wants your attention. He wants your abilities. He wants your affection. And what we give our abilities and our attention to gets our affection. And the greatest way to live on purpose for God and to live a life with purpose is to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life with purpose and meaning for Jesus Christ. I'm giving you my abilities. I'm giving you 
my attention. My mind's going to be focused on you. I'm giving you my affection. You have my heart. You see, for Paul, Jesus had his heart. And I think sometimes that's what Jesus needs from us. Is one person that'll just say, I'm going to give you a little bit more of my heart, Jesus. I'm going I'm to take down some of the walls and give you more access to my life. I, I want to be more of what you have for me to be. Paul said, I'm, I'm reaching forward to that. I'm pressing for it. The right attitude, the attitude of a servant. He said, I'm, I'm nothing. Jesus is everything. I'm just here to, to make him known, not myself. He said, I'm, I'm one person and I'm living on purpose. And that purpose is to, to take hold of that which he's taken hold of me for. And that's to make disciples, to help other people come to his kingdom. But you know, sometimes we need, we need people and we ourselves need to be a forgetful person. You see, we need that person that's got the right attitude and we need that person that's living on purpose. But we need one person that's forgetful. Sometimes one of the things that we do in our life is as we look at the past and we, we remember all of our faults and our, our failures. Think about this for just a moment. Has there ever been a time in your life where the past has popped into your mind and, and you've let it get you down, you've let it discourage you? Something that happened prior to you coming to Christ, maybe something that happened after coming to Christ. Maybe it was something that, that just happened a short time ago and you look and you say, wow, I've, I've got these things going on in my life. There, there's really no way that I could do much for God. Do you know what we need to, to get better at doing? We need to get better at remembering God's faithfulness and forgetting our failures. Because once we've given them to Christ, it's, it's taken care of. It's separated as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. There's a ladies' Bible study take, taking place here. And, and ladies, I would encourage you to, to be a part of it. And I would encourage anybody to, to read that book. Too many of us are giving our enemy, Satan, a seat at the table. And, and, and we've given our enemy a seat at the table and, and we're hearing his voice rather than listening to the voice of Jesus that says you're forgiven. I love you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for your life. We're hearing all the things and all the reasons as to why we can't and maybe why we shouldn't. And here's the reality. God forgives all of us when we come to him and ask him. There's some things that we need to forget, right? There's some things in our life that, that we need to move beyond. In the earlier service, I, I was talking and, I, and I, I asked if anybody was a Steelers fan. And of course, in Pittsburgh, there's lots of Steelers fans. And, and my wife is a diehard Steelers family, right? So, so I have it in my house in Indianapolis. Got my own little Colts corner, you know, because we're not the city of champions, but we have a banner or two now, right? But, but those are gone for a while, I think. But that, that's really not that important. I, I said, do you, do you remember the days of, of Terry Bradshaw, John Stallworth, Franco Harris, Mean Joe Green? I mean, I could go down the list because I rooted for all of them, except for when they were playing my Cowboys. And I told the earlier service, you know, I, I repented of being a Cowboys fan. I've, I've moved on from that. 
I've, I've, I've let that go and, and I've, I've moved on. Do you know, there's some things in life that we move on from. And, and I don't stay up late and wake up early remembering that I cheered for the Cowboys at once that changed as an organization. But, but how many, hey, we, we go beyond it. But, but how many things are inconsequential in our life that the enemy speaks to us and keeps us paralyzed and, and keeps us from moving forward in a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and when we let him keep us right where we are, we don't forget things about ourselves. Sometimes we don't forget things about our spouse. Sometimes we don't forget things about our children or we don't forget things about our neighbor or somebody that's hurt us, somebody that, that, that did us wrong. And, and we can't move beyond that. And because of all of those things, we stay right here. And we need to be more forgetful of our faults and failures, of the faults and failures of others. Let God take care of those things and spend time remembering his faithfulness even more. When you look at your life, what's keeping you from being that one person that's going to step out and say, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be one person. That's a little more forgetful. Paul pressed. He said, this one thing I do, I'm trying to forget. Let me ask you something today. What, what's one thing you're trying to forget that you can just ask God to help you take care of today? Paul said, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm working on that. Don't you think Paul had a lot to forget? forget? Think about that. Paul was a persecutor of the church. There's a lot of things in my life that I certainly don't want to stand in front of Jesus and give an account for. A lot of things that I feel like I've disappointed God along the way. A lot of moments where I've said, man, I've blown it. I'm not certain that, that God, you know, in, intends for me to be used here because I wasn't very good at that 20 years ago or whatever it might be. I wonder what Paul felt like knowing all the things he had to forget. Yet he said, I'm doing it. And I'm remembering the faithfulness of God. I'm remembering his grace. I'm remembering his mercy. I'm remembering how he found me. And how he's laid hold of me for a purpose. Church, he has a purpose for you today. He has a purpose for you. And what he wants is one person that just is willing to say, I'll have the right attitude. One person that will say, look, I'll live for you on your purpose, not my own. I'm not going to be self-absorbed. I'm I'm going to be absorbed for your kingdom, for your plan, for the thing that you laid hold of me for. I'm going to be focused on that. I'm going to forget my past. But but here's one last thing. You see, I believe he's looking for one person that's focused on the future. Paul said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know, when Alexander the Great said how many is one, and then he went out and conquered the world, he was wanting to know how many is so that he could go conquer the world. Today I wonder if we would say, I wonder what one person focused on the future with Jesus could do. One, one person focused on meeting a need in the life of another, what they could do. Paul said, I'm one person and I'm focused on forgetting, but I'm also focused on reaching. And can I tell you something? It's hard to live for the future when you're holding on to the past. 
Paul said, I'm forgetting those things. I'm letting them go so that I can take hold of something that is ahead. You see, I believe that Crossroads is a great church. It's a great ministry. And there's been incredible things that have taken place. But I also believe that the best is yet to be. Why? Because we're believers. And this is God's body. And it's his kingdom. And no matter what this life holds for us, the best is always ahead of us as a believer. The best is yet to be. So we could sit and we could be content as to what's been accomplished, or or we could be like Paul and say, look, we need to strive and press to be more of what God wants us to be. We need to be that one person with the, the right attitude, that one person that wants to live on purpose, that one person that's forgetful, and that one person that's focused on the future so we can pray that lost neighbor into the kingdom of God and witness to them so that we can reach out to that family member that's hurting that doesn't know Jesus, so that we can reach out to that coworker that person that that we spend time with that's hurting and life is falling apart and and they seem to come around to us when there's a problem, but we don't quite get to, to share the gospel completely with them, but they're always interested because there's something different about our life. You see, that's why we need to be that one person with the right attitude, living on purpose, that's forgetful yet focused on the future so that we can be used by God because there's more to be done. I wonder what could happen in this city and the surrounding region if more people would just step forward and say, okay, God, I want to be that one person, that one person that's a servant, that's focused on you, that one person that wants to live for your purpose. And that purpose was to make disciples. That's what Paul was doing. I've been laid hold by Christ. Christ has taken hold of my life so that I could reach people for him and teach them how to reach people for him because that's what he's doing when he's writing those letters. He's writing to the church saying, you're not done yet. Let's become more like Jesus. Let's tell other people about Jesus. Let's bring them into the kingdom of God because this life is not all there is. Eternity is real and eternity is forever. And Paul said, I want to help people be on the right side of eternity. I want to help them know Jesus and help others know Jesus. So let me just close with this. We may not be able to reach everyone, but I promise we can reach someone and make a difference as one. I love the story of the little boy who was walking along the seashore with his grandfather. The storms had come in, the tide had come up further than usual, and all these starfish were washed up on the beach. And the little boy was reaching down, picking up the starfish and throwing it back into the ocean. And the grandfather was kind of in a hurry to get where they were going. I mean, it's a morning walk on the beach, but he was in a hurry. And the little guy kept reaching down and picking them up and tossing them. And finally, the grandfather got a little frustrated. and He said, listen, Jimmy, you're not going to be able to go ahead and save all of these starfish. There are way too many. You can't do it. And little Jimmy reached down and he picked up a starfish and he tossed it back out in the ocean. And here's what he said. He said, I may not be able to reach all of them, but I made a difference to that one. And he continued on with a smile. I want to tell you something. You may not be able to reach everyone, but every one of us can reach one. And who knows what will happen when that one 
is reached. We never know who's going to be the one that God uses in an incredible way. And that's not our concern. Our concern is to be available, to be used by God. And today, the best is yet to be for Crossroads. And the best is yet to be for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, I want to encourage you to come to know him. If you do know Jesus as your Savior today, I want to encourage you to be that one with the right attitude, to be that one that will live on purpose, to be that one that's forgetful of the, the hard things of the past and remembering, remembering the faithfulness of God and to be that one that's focused on the future. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? This morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, whether you're in person, whether you're online, no matter where you're at, I want to give you that opportunity to do that right now. If you would like to know more about Jesus and how he can be your Savior, I want you to know that Jesus came into this world. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again on the third day and he did it so that you could know him as your personal Savior. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to be your Savior, I want to invite you wherever you are just to respond to him by praying a simple prayer like this. Just make it your own prayer from your heart to the heart of God that says something like this. Dear Jesus, the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. Today, if you'll offer a little prayer like that, it's a statement of faith that you're trusting Jesus to be your Savior. He will be your Savior. And today, if you've done that, if you want to do that, do that right now. If you're watching online, let us know. If you're here in the church, let us know before you leave today. I want to help you grow in that relationship with Jesus and become more of what God has for you. Maybe you're here today and you say, John, I know Christ is my Savior, but here's the reality. I want to be that person with a a right attitude. I want to be that humble servant that lives on purpose. I want to forget some of the things that have gone on in my past, and I want to focus on the future. If that's you, I want you to join your heart in prayer as we close in prayer today. Father, we come to you today and we ask you to help us be more of what you want us to be. Father, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, I ask that today would be the day that they come to know you as Savior. Father, for those that know you as Savior, but they would say, Lord, I want to have that attitude. I want to be that person living on purpose. Father, whatever the need might be in their heart, I pray that you would help them to realize and to know that one person can and does make a difference. Help us, Father, to be able to look at our life and to say we did all we could to live for you and bring others to you. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.